Hello, everyone, and welcome to Green Talk, our new podcast on sustainability. Martin and I are very pleased to welcome Luis Reyes Ortiz today to talk about sustainable finance. Luis, you are a professor at Kedge Business School in Finance and Economics, and you are the head of the Master of Sustainable Finance. So, Luis, thank you very much for being with us today. You're welcome. Thank you for the invitation. First, for auditors that are not all familiar with sustainable finance, could you explain what sustainable finance is? Yes. So the textbook definition, I say textbook, uh, I have to quote uh, myself here. Uh, there is no textbook in sustainable finance as such. But the most accepted definition would be that of the European Commission, which is also adopted by the World Bank. So according to them, sustainable finance is the process of taking due account of environmental, social, and governance considerations when making investment decisions in the financial sector. So this is uh, uh, meant to lead to increased longer-term investments into sustainable economic activities and projects. So this definition has a connotation, basically that uh, it first promotes the ESG criteria, which is the uh, uh, the benchmark for classifying the level of engagement of certain companies. And this classification uh, is also useful for several reasons, which we can talk about later on. The second thing is that it talks about longer uh, term investments. Uh, the norm up to here, because of volatility in the financial markets in general since the 1980s, the norm has been that short term projects have been favored in uh, uh, for funding. So basically, when a, when a financial comp when a company wants to lend money, uh, it will prefer to do so on a short term basis, so that they can renegotiate the contracts on the basis of what they require for profitability. So sustainable finance looks at a longer term, and it, of course, requires more stability. Just a last uh, uh, very quick note on that. The uh, uh, definitions vary according to the, uh, uh, let's say, the organization, the institution that takes this, uh, uh, makes this definition or adapts this definition. For instance, uh, the, the, the People's Bank of China, uh, the central bank in, in this country, uh, excludes the public sector financing. It takes a, it takes a more corporate approach, and there is uh, no fiscal policy tools in their definition, and it also omits climate or biodiversity-related issues. Mm -hmm. um, the, the government of Germany, for instance, uh, has a, a li little bit more of an encompassing uh, definition, but it's also broad and, and vague. Uh, biodiversity and mitigation of climate change are excluded as well, and so on. So, so it depends on the sector, but broadly speaking, the, the European Commission's uh, definition is the most accepted one. Yeah, very clear. Um, and could you explain to us what is your academic and professional background? Maybe um, Explain to us all at the same time how you got interested in sustainable finance. Yes. Um, to answer, the, the short answer is uh, I get here by chance. It was a, a, yes. a, a coincidence, I would say. Uh, but uh, I am an economist. I am a trained macroeconomist, to be more specific. And I have been, I have been working on uh, empirical models, uh, country models. So one of the models that I built is actually uh, for France. 
and the French economy is both interesting and uh, there's plenty of data we can play around with. So I got into macroeconomics from the empirical side, and this is what I actually do in terms of research, focused more on, on international finance and also on macroeconomics in general. Now, why, how did I get into uh, sustainable finance? Where well, there's two reasons. Uh, one of them is I, I have a previous experience. Uh, I used to work at the uh, Agence Française de Développement, so the French uh, development agency, as a modeler. And the purpose of these models uh, that we were building for uh, partner countries was actually to study the interaction between climate and the economy in both senses. So how climate affects the economy and the other way around. So that was one point of entry into this field. And mm -hmm. the, second, the second reason why I am now into sustainable finance is because uh, I, I was asked to, 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 to direct the program here at Catch uh, two years ago. Several reasons lead to that. Uh, my predecessor, uh, who is uh, an expert in the program and with whom I, I still work, who still works in the program, we work together on this. He asked me to, to take over the program, uh, largely because he wants to do research and because he's in Marseille. So I live in Paris. And th these, are the two, these are two reasons, maybe not the only ones. But now I am getting more and more familiar with the field, of course, as I deal with uh, uh, experts, uh, both from the professional side and the academic side. So mm. the, the partner companies that we work with, they are uh, both feeding us in terms of content, but also we feed them uh, with uh, the expertise that we create in the program so that they can work with them. So previously you mentioned the ESG criteria. Could you explain how they're used in sustainable finance? Uh, right. So ESG criteria, they stand for environmental, social and governance. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure governance was a word in English um, before this came into uh, uh, into force. Uh, actually, the governance part uh, is it might, might have been adapt, adapted from European English. So governance uh, um, relates to basically how the firm governs itself in terms of uh, uh, the relationship between, let's say, the head and the, the rest of the company. So uh, governance relates today mostly uh, with respect uh, the, the criteria to look at is corruption, for instance, if there's corruption, one mm. or different forms of corruption in the company. And social criteria, they relate to inequalities between, let's say, men and women, uh, equal pay, uh, discrimination, if there are minorities who are affected by some kind of policy and so on. And of course, the most important one, at least nowadays, is environmental, which uh, I started backwards for, for a reason. So environmental uh, has been increasingly in, uh, an increasingly important subject uh, for at least 30 years, I would say. Uh, since the 1980s, there have been uh, several uh, international uh, events uh, one of them being the Conference of the Parties, uh, both on climate and the other one on biodiversity, that mm -hmm. have been uh, getting more and more attention. Uh, uh, I, I would say that perhaps the most important uh, date for this to be taken seriously is the naturally the COP21 in Paris. 
The, but but this is not new. This was not new then. It was long uh, standing. Uh, the the IPCC, which is called GIEC in, Fran in French, uh, got a Nobel Prize together with uh, a, a presidential candidate in the U.S. Uh, in the early 2000s. And uh, so this is not new. Now, how are these ESG criteria uh, used? They firms get evaluated uh, by rating agencies. So it could be uh, uh, Iris or it could be Moody's or PIMCO or whatever, um, other JP Morgan and so on. So these rating agencies, they uh, rate, they, they basically uh, build tests for the companies and they judge whether they pass the test or not. And they, get, they give them a score. So these scores, based on these three criteria, are uh, actually, uh, can be the difference between getting funding or not. So some firms can get more funding if they, to the eyes of financiers, uh, they are more responsible than others which, who are not. Now, uh, this leads to problem or, of where we set the bar. So uh, if the exam is too easy, of course, everybody gets funding. If the exam is too hard, then many uh, would be excluded, and this can also be uh, an issue. So there's uh, a leveling uh, issue as well. Okay, thank you. And um, how would you say that the financial sector evolved with the environmental issues that appear in the last years and decades and with uh, uh, such big events as the, uh, the COP21 in Paris? So I have the impression, and it's, a personal, uh, it's only a personal view, that uh, there has been, since the Paris Agreement, there has been more regulations but also more vulnerabilities uh, in the financial sphere. So first, let's focus on the positive. Uh, so regulations, they have been more and more ambitious. They have been becoming uh, increasingly ambitious. This can, also be, this can only be good in the sense of uh, uh, when investments get to be more uh, controlled of what the financial sector is funding. And if these uh, regulations are well calibrated, then this can only be good in the sense of uh, good projects get funding, bad projects don't, uh, to put it simply. So regulations like the EU taxonomy uh, are, uh, the EU taxonomy is actually not a regulation itself, but it is the basis of a regulation based on the taxonomy. And this taxonomy uh, is actually describing what is and what is not considered uh, sustainable. So, uh, the, so the, the so-called does not uh, do not uh, significant harm uh, is uh, uh, very important in the uh, in the jargon of the classification of what is and what is not responsible. So all this, um, what is included or not in this set of activities that do not do harm in the environment, it's um, so far it has become broadly speaking more demanding. Some controversial issues have also emerged, and so uh, gas is one of them, uh, and it might not be unrelated to current events in Ukraine, for instance, but, well, that's another story. Now, that's on the, on the side of regulation, on the side of uh, uh, vulnerabilities. So there is, since it is becoming a fashion, hopefully not a fad, uh, there is more and more institutions, people, um, you know, uh, groups, companies that want to be part of the movement. 
sometimes just superficially because it's a fashion. Sometimes uh, it can be difficult to distinguish the uh, uh, the movements that are legitimate, the, who have uh, legitimate interest in uh, uh, mitigating uh, climate change or mitigating the devastation of the biodiversity in general. So from this other group uh, that are only interested or mainly interested in getting more attention on, the, on their own and uh, getting a promotion or whatever. So of course, there is more and more experts, uh, including myself somehow. Uh, but I, again, I'm, I don't consider myself an expert, not at this point at least. So there's more and more people talking about these issues. Uh, and there is no consensus of what the actual line of attack should be. For some people, for instance, in sustainable finances, uh, sustainable finance should be about uh, financing uh, the transition, meaning mainly renewables, renewable energies, uh, solar panels, windmills, uh, uh, biomass-based uh, 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 energies, and so on. Uh, for some others, uh, the, the transition also implies financing uh, nuclear-based uh, energy, uh, nuclear energy, or uh, let's say even some fossil fuels in the transition. So there is no um, consensus and there is, uh, uh, so the vulnerabilities that I was speaking of, they also build on these differences. So vulnerability in the sense of, uh, you know, it, it is just a fashion and somehow, and vulnerability also in terms of storytelling that there's no common ground. Okay, thank you. So you said that the financial sector definitely evolved. Do you also see a trend in sustainable investing in the last few years? And what is what does it exactly represent uh, compared to other non-sustainable investments? As I said before, there, there has been a lot more initiatives uh, than in the past, despite the interest in the environmental issue since more than two decades ago, at least. Uh, but since 2015, there have been more and more initiatives, and uh, these uh, go in the direction of what I mentioned before, the very simple idea of financing responsible projects and non-financing uh, unresponsible or irresponsible projects. So the trends uh, in, in general, they come both from the private sector and the public sector. So. Uh, on the private sector, there has been more interest uh, by financial uh, companies, asset managers, for instance, to exclude certain activities from their funding. Um, in, when it comes to banks, uh, they also have, uh, uh, they have adhered more and more to uh, regulations. Uh, some of them are, some of these regulations come from private organizations, like the Loan Market Association, which is a private uh, uh, association based in London, and these uh, the recommendation by the LMA they go in the sense of promoting responsible investments. Of course, they have their own definition of responsibility, so that's another that's one thing. These uh, uh, proposals that just came out this year, but they have been discussed since at least uh, two or three years. Now, this is perhaps the latest, but other markets have been uh, well de well developed since at least the, uh, uh, the Paris Agreement or even before, uh, green bonds. So there is uh, the, the, the market for uh, uh, green bonds that we, uh, we can talk about later on. Uh, but these green bonds are, uh, have been there before the Paris Agreement. 
They are still developing today, and there is now a whole classification of thematic bonds. So the, the numbers by the IMF uh, uh, are very telling from the last uh, uh, Global Economic Outlook, I think, 2022 in October. Uh, they, they, there is a, a whole section about the, the size of uh, green bonds in total bonds, and it has at least quadrupled uh, compared to the previous year, and, and, and the trend has been increasing. So that's on the private sector side. Now, public policy has also evolved, and it has become, uh, well, it has evolved, although it could have been more ambitious, of course. So when it comes to policy, there is, uh, for instance, carrots and sticks that you can use in order to promote sustainable development. Now, the stick uh, approach uh, would be, for instance, a carbon tax. The carbon tax uh, uh, is basically raising the cost of, let's say, fossil fuels, let's say the ton of uh, carbon, uh, a liter of, let's say, uh, oil and, uh, uh, or other, let's say, fossil fuels or non-so-responsible uh, fuels. So you raise the tax on this uh, uh, and the, the government gets funding. And of course, this can be reinvested into responsible sectors. And of course, at the same time, it is discouraging this type of investments. So that's the stick. The, the Inflation Reduction Act, which was just signed last year uh, in the US, uh, is not taking this approach. The, the Inflation Reduction Act, which is about inflation as such, uh, and, but it is more about the environment uh, we, that we may think of, does not take the stick approach. It takes actually the carrot approach. That is to say, providing subsidy. So you do not punish the polluters. You actually just compensate. You actually give a price to the responsible investors. So subsidies is the carrot approach. And uh, for some obser uh, observers, I would say, this is like killing the stick approach or the carbon tax. So the trends are, in general, very, very, uh, to, to go back to the initial question, uh, the, the trends are such that sustainable finance is not only, a, is not only uh, I would say, a temporary uh, issue. I think it's here to stay. I, I think that's the, the clear message from the private and the public sector and the international organizations. But uh, it has been adapting also, like, like for instance, uh, COVID. So uh, the pandemic uh, brought down prices. They, they rose up again in 2021. And it is the Inflation Reduction Act is, of course, a consequence of the pandemic. But it has uh, also an environmental side to it. Thank you very much. And now for our auditors that are interested in working in this field, what are the different job positions that are related to sustainable finance? Yes. So there are some, when, when we think of the financial sector, the typical job that everybody thinks of is a financial analyst to look at financial indicators like the interest rate, like equity prices, portfolios. Uh, you know, there's a lot of numbers and NASDAQ is going up, NASDAQ is going down, uh, this is going up, this is going down. and not many people understand that, no problem. So it's a, it's a niche uh, It's an, for experts and all that. So that's a, a regular financial analyst job. In contrast, the cliche, I would say, uh, job in sustainable finance is uh, extra financial analysis. So basically is in extra financial analysis, what people do is to look at extra financial 
serious extra financial data or information in general that go in the sense of uh, looking at the factors that can affect profitability for a firm, but that are not necessarily financial. So basically, when the ESG criteria. So uh, when a firm looks at the interest rate going up, they know that their debt is going to go up. So that's the job of the financial analyst. The extra financial analyst knows that if the company gets a bad rating with respect to social governance or environmental issues, they know that funding is going to be more expensive to get. So what they have to do is actually to look at the trends of these uh, regulations, how, how high or low the bar is, but they also have to look at the behavior of their firm, how they adapt if they want to tackle the issue or just communicate about it, that's another issue. Uh, if they want to communicate and do something, that's better. So, so that they keep on getting funding, that's actually the job of the extra financial analyst. So most of, our, of the um, alumni of the sustainable finance program, they work like uh, half of them work as ESG or extra financial analysts, either in the consulting sector, in auditing, or in financial companies like regular analysts. So that's what half of the people, in, at least in our program, do. The other half, they have other jobs, which are more or less uh, popular depending on the, uh, uh, on the time. Some jobs are, for instance, trading in the energy sector. So uh, they look at the trends, not of conventional fossil fuels. Let's say you look at the price of oil, it goes up. That means that uh, other currencies like the dollar is going to go down, and then they do some trading based on that. What uh, energy trading uh, energy traders do is actually to look at the price of, let's say, uh, I don't know, biomass, or look at the price of uh, sol solar panels. They look at the trends in uh, uh, coal prices, and they contrast this with other hydrogen uh, uh, supply that is actually increasing. And so they trade in order to boost the market for renewables. So that's another one. A related job, I would say, is biodiversity analyst. So basically what they do is look at the biodiversity from the angle of the market. So if there is more and more news, which are also important when you look at finance in general, whether these news are exaggerated or not, that's another story. So when the news about biodiversity are bad in a given country, let's say Brazil, uh, which is not defending the uh, the Amazonian river or uh, the life of the natives or whatever. When there is there's bad publicity for this country, of course, the biodiversity consultant is going to tell the company, well, you know what? If you have assets in this country, you better take them out and we have to go somewhere else. So they have to first look at the indicators that lead to the uh, unprofitability in a country like Brazil, but they have to look at the alternatives elsewhere and if they can be or not uh, profitable in the long term. So I just mentioned three. Uh, there's a, there is some room in between, between the, the three, and there's others. So I, I just give you like the most, uh, I would say, popular ones, and that are very, very sustainable finance related. Okay, and would you have any recommendations for those students who are aiming for such positions? Yes, uh, there are more and more programs which are specialized in sustainable development or sustainable development related areas. 
Uh, many of them are catch. So um, some of them are the sustainable finance program, the business transformation for sustainability. Uh, there are others like supply chain. Uh, there's other programs that are related, uh, even marketing. Uh, you know, how do you brand something that is uh, actually uh, goes in the direction of uh, sustainability and so on. So there is more and more offer, especially in France, I would say. I think the market is booming here. I, I'm pretty sure that in other countries, mainly uh, in Anglo-Saxon countries, the supply is not going to run short in the next few years. Uh, but so far, so so my advice is that. So if you want to specialize in sustainable development, no matter it is if it is from the financial side or not, there is plenty of uh, opportunities in Europe mainly, but this will uh, keep on increasing. And my second advice is, uh, even if this supply is increasing in terms of the uh, the school right. sector, uh, I would say on the other side of the of the barrier, there's the professional, uh, the companies that that hire these professionals. And my advice would be, if you are somehow involved in a greenwashing, some form of greenwashing in your company, well, the stupidest thing would be to uh, to tell them to your boss and to 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 challenge them, right? So uh, my advice to you would be to try to change things, but be smart about it. Try to make a change that goes in the right direction, which is what sustainable finance is about. Uh, greenwashing is not one of them. Greenwashing is about making the company look good, but it's not legitimate effort. So that would be my advice. And we are all concerned about that. Uh, we just have to choose our fights, whether they are from within or from outside of the system. And we have to be very careful in how we communicate. So that would be my two advice. So prepare and be honest. Thank you very much, uh, Luis, for all these uh, very interesting uh, insights. Very interesting for, for our audience. Yeah. So thank you again for this. I think it will uh, inspire uh, um, many of them. Thank you very much for listening. So now you can find our bonus where Luis talks about companies' interest to be sustainable, green bonds, and worldwide regulations encouraging sustainable finance. On our side, we invite you to join us in two weeks for the next episode of Green Talk, where we will discuss the topic of NGOs with our guest Panut, founder and director of OIC, an organization working to protect orangutans in Indonesia. Remember to take care of yourselves and our planet and see you soon.